shaving. And I don't normally do that except on Saturday morning. So I guess I get a little fuglunged. But anyway, I'm so glad to be here. I just want to remind everybody once again that on the 26th of September, which is coming up in two weeks, we will not be meeting in this forum. We will be not because I'm doing a Los Angeles intergroup workshop on chapter on step two, which is what we're going to be talking about today as well. But that is going to take place at one o'clock Pacific time, one o'clock Pacific time to 2.30 Pacific time on the 26th of September. So we're going to have this week, we're going to have next week, and then we're going to skip a week. And um, when we skip the week, it'll be because of the Los Angeles thing. So I'm real glad to be here today. Uh, it's the 12th of September, 2020, and we're all assembled here this morning. And I hope that you're all happy and healthy and doing well. We are going to be talking once again about one of the two most underutilized steps in the big book, in the program of recovery. And that is we're going to be talking this morning about step two. We have talked about step one in chapters, the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there is a solution, and also the chapter called more about alcoholism. And we're talking now about the chapter, We Agnostics. And in the chapter, We Agnostics, we notice from the title of the chapter that it does not say you agnostics or the agnostics or to the agnostics. And what I normally do when I sponsor people is I point out the fact that it says we agnostics. Now, some of you may be saying, gosh, I'm not an agnostic. Let's review what an agnostic is. An atheist is someone who believes very strongly that there is no God. A believer believes that there is a God and an agnostic, ag means without, gnostic means knowledge, agnostic means they don't have enough knowledge yet to make a decision. Now, some of you may be religious people and some of you may be atheists, but some of you may be like me, we agnostics, in that in certain areas of my life, I am a strong believer in God. In certain areas of my life, I may have my doubts. And in certain areas of my life, I'm just not sure. And in those areas of my life where I'm just not sure, those are areas of my life where I am practicing my agnosticism. Agnostic means, again, without knowledge. And there are people, and this is something that I point out as a sponsor, and I think it's key. There are people who have this very, very strong belief that there is a God and that God takes care of animals and God takes care of what have you. And, and you know, the sun comes up and the sun goes down and all this other stuff. But when it comes to me and my food, me and my life, then I'm not so sure. And the reasons are not important. But for me, the reasons were very common, and Bill talks about this in Bill's story. When I asked God to make me thin, I didn't get thin. When I asked God to let me be the first baseman for the Cubs, he didn't let me be the first baseman for the Cubs. When I asked him to let me win the lottery, 
I didn't win the lottery. So you get the picture. When, he, when I asked him for that girl or that house or to have rich, young American parents, he didn't give me that. He gave me something quite, quite different. So I started to doubt God. And I started to say to God, screw you, God. You know, if you're not going to give me what I want, if you're not going to do the things for me that I want you to do, then I'm not going to believe in you. And he doesn't normally uh, straighten up when I lay that one on him. So my belief in God is an ongoing effort. And when I say the word effort, I want to emphasize that it takes work. Now, I don't have the time. I can see there's 115 of you, 116 of you, which is very wonderful. I can't go through here and, and, and go through all the names. I'm thinking about what I'm saying. I'm thinking about where, we're, where we need to review and where, when we need to pick up from where we left off last week. Because we've got some really, really important material to pick up this week, but I want to review. But I don't have the time to review or to scroll through to see who's on here. And I don't have the interest either. What I'm, the reason that I'm bringing this up is this. Some of you, I know better than some of you. Some of you, I know better than others. Now, how does that happen? The reason that it happens or the way that it happens is a relationship with God is no different than a relationship with another person. It has to be worked at. So we have a conversation, and I learn a little bit about you. Then we have another conversation, and I learn a little more about you. Then we have another, and on and on and on, so that I can pick up a phone, and I'll just use one of you as an, I'll use Maria in Ireland as an example. I've spent time with Maria in Newark. I've spent time with Maria in Scottsdale, and I've spent hours on the phone with Maria. And every time I talk to her, I learn a little bit more about her. And I learn a little bit more about this factor of her life or that factor of her life so that we can have a conversation. Now we talk, we can talk about recovery. Yes. But I can ask her questions about how's this person doing or how's that person doing in her life or gosh, I haven't heard about so-and-so in a long time. What's going on with them? That takes time. And this is exactly the same thing. And yet people are very aware of how to establish a relationship with another person. And yet when it comes to establishing a relationship with God, we want to be zapped into faith. We want to be zapped into being lottery winners. We want to zap into the kind of bodies or the kind of lives that we think we deserve and should have. And, we, and when it doesn't happen instantly, we get frustrated and we get angry. And the second step is a step that a lot of people don't realize they're just kind of skimming over. And if you're a sponsor, this is one of the key things to the whole deal of step two. We look at this God thing and we either come to one of two conclusions and we come to these conclusions almost instantly. The first conclusion is screw this. And that's the conclusion Bill Wilson came to. Bill Wilson came to a conclusion that I'm not going to do this. He says the, the, the wars, the chicanery, I doubted on, 
you know, if, if the religions of man had done anything at all and blah, blah, blah. And so he doubted. And then he saw Ebby and Ebby was an alcoholic and Ebby was sober and he was happy in his release. The other side of the coin is for the people who come to this area of step two and they come from a religious background or they come from a background where faith was very strong, very strong religion, so on. I didn't mean to say or, I meant and. But the bottom line is we figure, oh, we've got this. We're religious, we're Christians, or we're Jewish, or we're Muslim, or we're whatever we are, and we have a very strong, uh, you know, strong faith in God. So we come to it, and what a lot of sponsors don't do effectively is try to talk to the person about areas that they may be agnostic. In other words, I may have a very clear idea that God split the Red Sea. I may have a very clear idea God helped the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. I may have a very clear idea that God in the burning bush and the resurrection and all this other stuff, but I may not translate that often into God helping me with my food, that God will help me in my daily life, in my daily challenges. He may, I may, I may not believe or I may not lean into God when it comes to the loneliness I sometimes feel or the frustration that I sometimes feel, especially now <clears throat> with the current crisis, it becomes even more difficult to, to connect with people. Normally, you know, tomorrow is going to be uh, the first Sunday of the football season. And normally I would spend the day with my friends and, you know, I would do my meetings and then I would go to a bar, which I, I don't drink, but I would go to a bar and we would spend time watching all the football games. And obviously that's not going to happen tomorrow. And that really makes me sad. It really makes me very sad because I like spending time with my friends. All the things that I like, God is not going to deny me these things. But yet in my mind, he's screwing me over. I hope this makes sense because this is an area that a lot of people will fall into these various ways of thinking. And they may be strong believers, but they may have pockets of agnosticism in their life when it comes to things like food or relationships or so on and so forth. That's where what we're talking about here. So he says, we agnostics. So in most of us, I didn't say all of us, but in most of us, there are pockets of agnostic behaviors, agnostic ideals that we carry around with us that have to be looked at by a sponsor and God and you. So we look at these things and we see this is very, very key. So, and we also look at the second step before we begin today and we see, and this is something that's very, very important. If you're a sponsor, this is a very key thing to look at the wording of the steps. Came to believe, it doesn't say believed, it says came to believe, and came to believe suggests very strongly that this belief is going to be a process. 
And once again, we are faced with doing work. It doesn't say we believed. It says we came to believe, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to abstinence. No. Sobriety. No. Came to believe, <coughs> excuse me, that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And as we're going to talk about during the chapter, and as we're going to talk about all the time that we're together, every week this is probably going to come up, the disease vandalizes and commits arson to areas of your life that you didn't even know were broken because you had this idea that if your weight was normalized, if your food intake was normalized, that everything would be okay. And here's another area where people get frustrated. So if you're a sponsor, this is something to look for. Just because a person's body weight may be normal or close to normal, that doesn't mean that their life is going to be a fairy tale. There is nothing in this book that says, once arrived at a certain point, life becomes easy. There's nothing in this book that says, once arrived at a certain point, life will go according to your script. It doesn't say that. But what the step says, is, is, and this is the discussion, it says, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And sanity is more open-ended. It's got a higher ceiling. It's got, excuse me, greater parameters than the truncated idea, the, the, the smaller idea of abstinence or sobriety. Because as the disease starts to putrefy areas of your life, such as your relationships, your romantic relationships being a significant one, but maybe the relationships with your children, or maybe the relationships with your friends, or the relationship you have with your employer, or fellow employees, or friends, or relatives. The disease starts to rot and putrefy these relationships because we get frustrated. We get frustrated because there just isn't enough food. We get frustrated because we feel that others are standing in the way of getting us this food. We feel that others are interfering with what we know we need or want. We feel frustrated from a hundred different directions and we take it out on the people closest to us because the disease rots and putrefies, vandalizes and commits arson to more areas of our life than our, than our pants size. It's more than just what you weigh or what you don't weigh. And again, I also want to mention, I come from it from the area of the compulsive overeater who gets to be very, very obese. There are some of you who come from the other side of the same coin, the anorexic bulimic side. And this is exactly the same for you guys. The reason I can't address that side is because I've never lived that side. But I understand that I need to mention that because I always want you to feel at home. This is my classic story, my classic 
example of this. I have a friend, and you've heard me talk about this person, uh, looks like a movie star, lives in Northern California, around where one of the famous universities is, famous elite universities in Northern California. And she would, you would never look at her in a million years. You'd never look at this person and say, oh, that person's a compulsive over here. Quite the opposite. She looks like a movie star and uh, she is, she does not present like a person who is a compulsive overeater. Let me assure you that she is a back alley, gutter, dumpster diving, compulsive overeater, back alley, compulsive overeater, comes from a background that you would never think would lead to addiction. Yet she is a compulsive overeater. She's anorexic and bulimic. She's anorexic and bulimic and addicted to uh, different things than, than maybe some of you. She gets a high from not eating. She gets a high from starving herself and has been dangerously thin at certain points of her life. And yet she's so back alley, so dumpster, so, so sub-basement that if she was in a dumpster, all you'd see were feet and shoes going up and down as she foraged through the dumpster for food. But it doesn't matter what direction you come here from, this is all workable. So the second step, being worded as it is, came to believe is gonna indicate two things are required, work and patience. Work and patience, okay? came to believe. So if you're sponsoring, this is key. Came to believe doesn't say believe. If it just said believe, then it would be an event. Boom. We be I believe today is Saturday. You don't have to convince me. I've got a watch here. This is a very fancy schmancy watch here that I bought myself here. And it's got not only the date, but it also says set. For Saturday. So if I'm going to argue, I'm going to argue with a watch here that I paid through the nose for. It says Sat 12, Saturday the 12th. I also am on Zoom, so I'm on a computer, and the computer indicates to me it is indeed Saturday the 12th. Came to believe. Sponsors, take note of that. Came to believe. It's going to be effort, like, like the scenario I painted with Maria in Ireland, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Sanity being more open-ended, more all-encompassing, more grand, great, greater than either the word sobriety or abstinence. Because God can do so much more then give you a relatively healthy body. He can do so much more than that. So these are key points. Now, we're gonna pick up on page 44, and today is gonna be very, very important, not that there's unimportant days, but today is gonna be very, very important because today we're gonna be discussing the thesis line of this entire book. <laughs> Okay, now let's go to page 44 at the bottom. 
if a mere code of morals or better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. Now, let's take a look at that sentence. There are people on this line like me. I lied when the truth was better. I wrote bad checks. I said things that hurt people. I did things that hurt people. I was not always a good person. The person that you see today is not the person that I was decades ago. The person that I was decades ago would have said anything or done anything to try to manipulate you into liking me and not abandoning me and maybe cashing some of my garbage checks. The person I am today, whether you are a, a, a person who likes red or blue or green, I'm going to be who I am with respect to who you are. I'm going to be the person I hope that God intended me to be, because that's more important to me than whether you like me or you don't. That's more important to me than anything. So if a mere code of morals or better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, there are people on this line today and people that are not on this line, maybe listening on a podcast or not listening, maybe they'll never even hear this, they have led lives where they never lied. They never wrote bad checks. They never manipulated people. They never did those things. And yet they were in this spider web. They were flies in the spider web. The more they tried to control their eating, the worse it got. They could no more control it and enjoy it than I can be up and down at the same time. So some of you were raucously bad and some of you were wonderfully good. I'm using air quotes here, good, uh, because you know who's to judge? But some of you were very religious people and you went and you did the, but it still didn't help you. Let's continue. Many of us would have recovered long ago, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried, we could wish to be moral. What is moral? Moral is truthful. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. And over and over and over again in this book, we are going to see example after example that my human will is not sufficient to bring about the necessary change that is required of me so that I can recover. So I have come to believe and I continue to come to believe. I don't arrive at a destination. I work at this as a journey I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity because I see now that there are areas of my life where I am sane 
more so than I was 10 years ago, more so than I was 20 years ago, more so than I was 50 years ago. And I see that as I work through these issues, and I place myself in God's care. And how do I place myself in God's care? By working the steps and doing the best that I can one day at a time to fulfill his will. I have a prayer life, but I'm gonna to say to you again, this has to go beyond praying. It has to translate into action. It is Saturday, it is the Sabbath in the Jewish religion of my childhood. And I could go into the synagogue and pray and pray and pray and pray. And that's great. And they would love that if I would do that. However, for me, faith must translate into action. And that action is what? Helping other people. Doing what I need to do to help others. How do I get ready to help others? By recovering myself. What does it say on every airplane ride you've ever taken? When the mask drops, put your mask on first and then mask your child or, or, or other elderly or whoever it is you're with. But put your mask on first. It is imperative that you put your mask on first, okay? Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. So if lack of power is my dilemma, let's examine that for a little bit. I have said on this line over and over and over again that food was never the problem. I have said on this line over and over again that food was the solution to the problem. So that when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling scared, when I'm feeling frustrated because someone or something is not sticking to my script, I do not have the necessary power to will away that feeling that comes over me of frustration. That feeling that I have of anger or fear or frustration, selfishness, the guilt, the shame, and the remorse that comes with certain behaviors that I'm ashamed of, like overeating or what have you. When those feelings come over me, I do not have the wherewithal to overcome them by myself. That's why I turn to food, because for about 10 seconds, food takes the edge off of those feelings. It gives me an instant sense of ease and comfort. And that feeling is described by Dr. Silkworth in the doctor's opinion as the effect. The effect is that sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating the food. And I feel good for about nine, 10 seconds. And then what happens? Unfortunately, now the food is inside of me. I'm going to just use pizza or candy. I'll use pizza. Pizza is good. Okay, I eat the pizza. 
And for about 10 seconds, I feel fantastic. Everything's groovy, everybody's groovy, everybody's my friend, everybody's wonderful. About 10 seconds after I start eating the pizza, which seemed like a wonderful idea at the time, the pall, the curtain of remorse, the horror of what I've done, again, is upon me. But by then it's too late. Why? Because once I eat that pizza, the physical allergy from the crust and the cheese and the whatever else I put on there, and there's the, the sauces are loaded with sugar. Once I have that sugar flour inside of me and the fat from the cheese, I have now triggered the physical allergy. What is the physical allergy? The physical allergy is that physical craving that comes upon me. It is the physical aspect of our disease. And it makes it impossible for me to control the amount I eat once I've started. Because that allergy means that I have been set up with an actual physical craving for more of the same. In a normal person's body, that food passes through there so differently that they, the more they eat, the less food they want. In my body, the more I eat, the more I want, the more I want, the more I eat, the more I eat, the more I want, the more I want, the more I eat, and it's just endless. So that I'm eating french fries. The food is in front of me and my mind is going to, what am I going to eat next? What am I going to eat next? Where am I going to get this? Where am I going to get that? How am I going to get away from these people so I can run to a convenience store and get this, this, and this? Can you relate to what I'm saying? If you can, welcome home. Welcome to OA. And my human will is insufficient at staving off the effect of the resentment, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the remorse that started the process in the first place. Remember that food is the solution to the problem. And the food being the solution to the problem means that there's another problem. And the other problem is the buildup of human emotion. And I don't have the will to defeat the effect of anger and fear and guilt and shame and remorse. So lack of power is indeed my dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. If you're struggling, or sponsors, if you have a sponsee that is struggling with this, just ask the person, isn't there something in this world greater than you? Is your ego so immense that you are the be-all and the end-all? Did you create the five great lakes? Did you create tigers and lions and camels and goats and chickens and horses? Did you create babies? Did you create flowers? Did you create sunsets? I live in Arizona. You want to talk sunsets? Man, I 
never really was into him before, but I was with somebody for a while and she just loved him and I grew to love them too. The sunsets here in Arizona are not to be believed. Those desert sunsets, oh my God, they're breathtaking. They're just breathtaking. I'm more of a sunrise person because I'm a morning person. So the sunrises here are amazing too. And when I, a lot of times when I'm on my morning walk, uh, I see the sun coming up over the, over the Scottsdale and it's just breathtaking. I'm more of a morning person. So for me, the sunrises are, are really amazing. But anyway, whether you, did you create that? No, there is something greater than yourself. We are probably not the alpha and the omega the beginning and end of it all. Okay, obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? Here is the, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Now, this is the thesis line of the big book, and we're gonna take some time to go into that. Its main object is to enable you to find a power, capitalized God, greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Let's go back to page XIII forward to the first edition, please. XIII. Let's go back to that. Okay. Forward to the first edition. Okay. Let me see here. Forward to the first edition. Okay. XIII. What does it say? What is the second sentence? The first sentence is we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The second sentence in this paragraph is to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. How do you show other people how you've recovered? By recovering yourself. And how do you recover? You recover by remaining abstinent and you recover by coming to believe that there is a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. Now let's go to page 20 in the chapter more about alcohol, or excuse me, there is a solution. Page 20, very, very important, okay. It says here in the last sentence of the first paragraph on page 20 is, if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, I'm in the last sentence of the first paragraph on page 20, you may be already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose. Now I'm in the second paragraph on page 20. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. So let's go back to page 45. The main object of the book is, are these things consistent? You bet they are. Number one, we're told that the main object of this book is to show you precisely how to recover. Number two, the main object of this book is to answer such questions specifically. And three, the main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Now, these things are very, very consistent because in that search for the higher power, you are going to teach others how to recover. You will not get this program absorbing spiritual information. 
you will get this program by transmitting spiritual information. Let me repeat that. You will not get this program by sitting here absorbing spiritual information. You will get this program by transmitting spiritual information. So it's very, very important that we remember, very important that we remember that to transmit that spiritual information, sponsors take note, the person must have recovery or you are transmitting the disease. You are either transmitting the recovery or you are transmitting the disease. There's no middle ground. And don't you believe for a second that the sponsees, may, they may be sick and suffering, but boy, don't try to bullshit a bullshitter. These people have lied with the best of them and they will smell it out. Whether you have recovery or you don't, they will smell it out if they've got a brain cell working. So these things are very, very consistent. That in order to recover, you must transmit spiritual information. Now, in order to recover and to transmit spiritual information, you are going to be required to answer questions specifically. In the question and answer period that we're going to come upon not long from now, I'm going to do the best I can to answer your questions specifically. And if I sponsor you, I, I don't pull any punches. You can ask anybody that I sponsor. I do not pull punches. I don't sit here worried about <clears throat> how it's going to make you feel. I shoot right from the hip. I, I'm not going to deliberately hurt your feelings. I'm not an ogre. I'm not a mean person. I'm not going to set out to hurt you. But what I am going to do is I'm going to answer such questions specifically. Now, here is something that is a nugget. If the main object of this book is to help you find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem, it better be the main object of your life. The pursuit of a deeper, stronger relationship with God, the pursuit of a deeper, more meaningful relationship with this book, is the main object of my life, I hope, one day at a time. Anything that I put in front of this, I'm going to lose. Anything that I put in front of this, I'm going to lose. Well, I'm going to say it one more time, I will. Anything that I put in front of this, I'm going to lose. If pursuit of a spouse, pursuit of money, pursuit of fame, pursuit of God knows what becomes paramount to my pursuit of, in, of enriching and deepening my spiritual growth, I will lose that situation. God is first, others are second, I am third. In a healthy way. How do I determine whether it's alanonic or healthy? If it's alanonic codependent, I'm going to look for results. I'm going to look to see, well, if I do this, will you like me? If I do this, will you give me money? If I do this, will you behave in a certain way that I find preferable? That has to be divorced from. I am going to answer your questions. 
I am going to help you to the best of my ability to discover my truth. And hopefully that will help you. Maybe not. I don't know. I may be a cautionary tale to some and a help for others. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. But when I start to attach results to that, now I'm sick. Now I'm very, very sick. And that's the difference. Healthy giving has no expectation attached to it. Unhealthy giving does have results that are attached to it. Very, very important. Let's review one more time and then we're going to move on. The main object of this book is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. Now, notice that it does not say problems plural. Let's take a look at page 42 at the very bottom of page 42. It says, I'm on the last lines of page 42. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles, what are spiritual principles, would solve all my problems. Problems plural, and now it's problem singular. What's the, what's the deal on that? Once I get set in my mind that the pursuit of recovery is going to be paramount to all other thoughts and activities of my life, my personal relationships start getting better. My business starts getting a little better. I was thrown a real curveball by the corona thing, but I'm coming out okay. I'm coming out just fine. I had a good week last week. I had a really good week this week, a really good week last week. Things are now starting to come around. My bills are paid. My balances in my checking account and my other accounts, they're not where they were, but they're not far off. It's, it's getting a lot better. It's getting a lot better. And there are certain areas of my life that I wish were different. Sure, we all have that. But what's happening here is that as my sanity returns, and I'm not obsessing day and night and night and day about food, I'm not obsessing about this day and night, my brain is emancipated to start to solve other problems. I'm working on a book. I'm doing, I'm not reading one, but writing one. I'm working on some things right now. I'm able to think more clearly than I can think when I'm a slave to the food. So other areas of my life are definitely improving. So this is something to look at and point out to sponsees. Problem singular starts to affect problems plural because you emancipate from that horrible, hideous enslavement. Is enslavement a word? That slavery that we get by thinking 24-7 about, <clears throat> hold on one second, excuse me, where am I going to get my next fix? Where am I going to get my next fix? When I don't have to think that way, other things just start going downhill instead of uphill. So the main object of this book is to help me find a power greater than myself which will solve my problem. Okay, 
That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. Now, we see this in 2020, and we look at moral and we go, oh, no, they're going to start talking about, I did this and that's not moral, and I did that. That's not what they're talking about. For them, in the 1930s, moral meant truth. Moral was really truth. And that's what they were most shooting for, spiritual as well as honesty. And it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God, for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. And this is what happens much of the time in step two. We pass it over thinking, ah, this is crap. This doesn't apply to me. Uh, people who believe in God, they're sheep. People who believe in God are just lemmings. People who believe in God are weak and stupid. Or the other side of the coin is, oh, I am a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Jew. I'm a this. I'm whatever it is you are. And so we look at that and we figure, ah, oh, we've got that. We're religious people. We go to synagogue on Saturday or we go to church on Sunday or we do this or we do that. So we figure, ah, oh, that's nothing. I've got that. No, if you had that, you wouldn't be here. If you, if you look at this and you pass it off, it's not, it's not going to work. And if you look at this and think, oh, I've got this. I'm a religious person. They are separate and distinct. They are mutually exclusive. They are mutually exclusive. What's required here is spirituality. And that spirituality must translate into action that is quite different than the action that's required at the synagogue. In the synagogue, I'm required to pray or you know do certain things and that's fine and that's that's okay there's nothing wrong with that i'm not knocking religion please don't think i am i'm not but in my religious life i'm not really worrying about the guy next to me make sure he's got it you know he's got it and i'm using air quotes i'm not worried about the guy in the next row who may be suffering from whatever it's not my problem now i'm not saying your addiction is my problem but I'm required to help when I can. That's a huge difference because faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through service and self-sacrifice for others, he would surely drink again, and for us to drink is to die. That's a big difference. Now I'm going to have to translate that faith into action. I can go to the synagogue and write a check, and that's great, and they'll appreciate that. But what I'm not required to do at the synagogue, and I don't know how it is in the church, but what I'm not required to do in the synagogue is to take the problems of somebody else who may be suffering and try to help them. That's not my job, and that's not something I need to concern myself with. Here, if they come to me and say, I want help, I'm eating at night, I want help, I have a troubled daughter. I, I need help. I have a troubled spouse or, or whatever it is. Or, you know, I'm, I'm eating 
french fries or whatever. Now I'm required to share of myself. That's the difference. Spirituality translates out into different types of action than religion does. This, that's all, that's, that's just what's different. I'm at the bottom of 45. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious and you see that all over. Oh, religion, blah, 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 they suck. They're lemmings, they're sheep, blah, 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 blah. Hey, make use of what they offer. See where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. We're gonna to be told that in step 11, aren't we? Okay, to others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him capitalized with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. Let me assure you that it is not. The strongest people that I know believe in God, and yet culturally, and in popular culture, oftentimes, the people of faith are portrayed as people that are weak and spineless. And let me assure you, I am not weak and I am not spineless. And let me assure you of something. I believe in God. And I believe in God with my whole heart. I believe in God as I believe in the sun and the moon and the stars. And I believe in God as I believe in the five great lakes. I believe in God and I know that God exists because I'm not only still alive, but for 21 years now, I have not found it necessary to compulsively overeat because of the buildup of emotions. And I have been emancipated happily. And let me assure you that in those 21 years, I've had good times and I've had bad times. I've had ups and downs and I've had disappointments and I got divorced and I have a child that doesn't speak to me, and I've had a business that went way down, and I've had lots and lots of things happen that would have made most people doubt the existence of God, just like you have. And yet I steadfastly hold his hand today with all the belief in the world that if this pain doesn't kill me, it's just gonna make me stronger. And boy, I must be strong because we've all suffered quite a bit, have we not, huh? Warring theological systems and inexplicable calamity. Look around you and look at Bill's story. The wars which had been fought, the chicanery, made him doubt whether on, on total that the existence of God was even, the, the religion had done any good at all with deep skepticism. Now this is very timeless material. Look around at the world we're facing today. I'm 66 years old. I lived through Vietnam era. I lived through the 60s. I was young, I was, I was young. I was only uh, 14 uh, in, uh, in 1970 or 16. I was 16 in 1970. I got my driver's license in 70. I was only 16 in 1970, so I was a young kid for you know most of the 60s, I was a kid. But we were pretty polarized then. We're more polarized now than ever. This is a, a, a very 
uh, polarized culture that we have today. And yet, and yet, God and the faith in God supersedes all of this. I look at some of this stuff and it's appalling sometimes to me. It's appalling man's inhumanity to man. But there is something I believe in much stronger than anything that is here. And that is my faith in God is absolutely supersedes, supersedes anything that I could see in life or in a newscast. In life or in a newscast. I see cruelty. I see kindness. I see love. I see all kinds of behaviors every day. I just see an apathetic society sometimes, but yet I strongly believe that God and the presence of God is stronger and deeper because I look into the eyes of the people on these Zoom meetings, or I look into the eyes of the people at the face-to-face -face meetings that I used to go to but don't anymore, and I see the face of God. I see the face of God in every one of you Every one of you that touches my heart by calling me and sharing your truth with me. And we've cried together and we've laughed together and we've gone up together and we've gone down together. But through it all, we can hold God's hand and we don't have to go to uh, uh, French fries and we don't have to go to M&Ms to solve our problems to go whatever. It was in Arizona and I was with someone and we were there and I, I brought, we were eating dinner outdoors. It was not a warm night particularly for sure. We were bundled up in our coats and it was a beautiful, beautiful Arizona sky. And in Arizona, because we don't have a lot of clouds, this was out in the country. This was in a place called Cape Creek, which is way out in the country. You could see every star in the sky. <clears throat> And we looked at the sun going down over here to our right, my right and right in front of this other person. And the sun was going down and we could see the saguaro cactus. And as the sun was going down, it was almost as if the night shift was coming on. We could see hawks in the sky and we could hear the coyotes uh, kind of coming alive for their shift. And we could hear them yipping as they were running through the country. And then to my left, the moon was just big and bright and just like a big beach ball in the sky. I'll never forget it. It was amazing. It was a Friday night and it was cold, but clear, cold, but clear in the desert. And it was a beautiful, beautiful night. And I was overcome with the idea that here was God. Here was indeed God. The sun goes down, and there's the moon, and when everything is said and done, this is magnificence. But there's something I've seen much greater than that. Oh, much greater than that. I have seen the face of a compulsive overeater afflicted with a horrific addiction that is permanent, progressive, and fatal. I have seen the faces of the suffering become the faces of the sponsor, become the recovered. 
I have seen the growth in you. I have seen us coming together and I have seen and heard the tangible progress that some of you make every day, every week. And I've seen this and that puts the other thing to shame. Puts the other thing to shame. I love the OA birthday. I love the vision conventions and it's been my pleasure and my honor and my the thrill of my life to have traveled to far places to to north and south and east and west to go and do big book in all these places and the most inspiring thing i've ever seen are the faces of the people that are in recovery and then sometimes i'll go back to a place Sometimes places have me come every couple of years, every three, four years, whatever it is. Some places do that. And I see that person who came to one of the retreats that I did three, four, five years ago. And they were a newcomer. They were in a week or two weeks. And they are now sponsoring. They are now in bodies that are at or approaching a healthy body weight. They are the recovered today. That's the joy. That's the face of God. That's what it is. And every one of you on this line, and there was 155 at one time, every one of you came in as a struggling newcomer, doubtful that this would work for you. And you started taking action after action after action after action that maybe you didn't even yet believe in. Maybe you didn't even yet believe in those actions, but you continue to take them. And today you are the sponsor. Today you are the destination of that outreach call. You are the destination of that 10 step call. You are the destination that people are looking to, to help them out of this question that they may have of how do I not eat, even though whatever you want to, you, you could fill in there. How do I not eat, even though this, this, and this is, is there? So you have become that. That is the face of God. And it says there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Now, I'm going to continue with a practice that we did last week. This may not always be my continuous, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop and I want to extend until 1130 the questions and answers because I think that is as helpful as